they come up to me and say, Hey, Mel, can you do a porky pig? And I'll say, Please, not now. I mean, I'm buying stuff. The man of a thousand voices, Mel Blank. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. Well, this was one of the most popular interviews I posted all of last year on Now I've Heard Everything. And since tomorrow, May 30th, would have been his 112th birthday, I thought I'd like to reshare my 1988 interview with the unmatched master of voice acting, Mel Blanc. If you've never heard of Mel Blanc, well, have you heard of Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Elmer Fudd, Sylvester and Tweety, Porky Pig, Barney Rubble? Heck, Mel Blanc was even the voice of Jack Benny's old car. I mean, virtually everyone knows Mel Blanc's work. So here now, from 1988, Mel Blanc. All righty, my tape is rolling now, if you're all set. Uh, okay, Doc, this is Bugs Bunny, and I may... Uh, oh, you want me to talk with my straight voice? Be glad to do it. Hi, this is Mel Blanc. <laughs> they put the book out a little early because I got so many cards and, and letters from kids who uh, asked me when I'm going to write a book that I... They put it out a little early so that the folks would know that this would be a nice Christmas gift to give their kids. <laughs> so that's all right with me. If it sells more books, that's wonderful. <laughs> but, uh, everybody tells me the book is just great, and they uh, wondered how long it took me to write it, and I said, oh, very simple, 21 years, I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 why, why was the timing right for you to write your book now at this point in your life? Well, uh, actually, it's for the uh, for the adults to uh, see that it was a book written by me, and that and that the kids would love to ask me. They always ask me, "When are you going to write a book?" And so they can uh, now buy it for their kids' Christmas present. And uh, it's a little ahead of time, but that's okay. They can uh, uh, give it to them on Christmas Day and tell them that uh, they've been saving it for them. They knew that they wanted one. You know, I can't imagine how different American cartoons would be were it not for Mel Blanc. Well, <laughs> I ad-lib a lot. Maybe that helps a lot. You know, they, they will tell me to do a voice. They will write out a, a script for me to do. And I will read the part and I'll say, hey, this, uh, this isn't the way Bugs Bunny would say it. And uh, they'd say, well, how would he say it? And I fill in the same space by saying, well, he would uh, let you know that he's a real little stinker. And he doesn't do anything too good for anybody, but he can take a bear barrel from a gun and uh, that's pointed at him and turn it around and point it at the guy that's going to shoot it. And uh, people would like to do that, but they don't have guts enough to do it. <laughs> you know, <I> <laughs> <laughs> you know, I saw that special that they did on television a couple of weeks back on how the the making of uh, the fra how Who Framed Roger Rabbit was made. Oh yeah. Uh -huh. And the most fascinating program. But I never realized before that you do the voice characterizations before be, before the, the, the animations are done. Yeah, you know, very few people realize that. And, uh, in fact, uh, when Roger Rabbit came out, uh, it was on the air, and uh, I got calls from people saying, how did you like Roger Rabbit? And I thought to myself, geez, I can't tell them, you know. Uh, and I have to explain to them that the voice is done first. And I did the voice. And then uh, later on, they showed the picture with the uh, full animation. And that's, uh, I, did, I hadn't seen it yet. <laughs> so I had to explain to them how the why, why I hadn't seen it. Were you ever asked to do a voice and you said no, and somebody else went ahead and made that voice famous? I can't think of any. You know, I, I don't like to copy anybody. But uh, many people will copy me and then, uh, or do some crazy.
crazy voices. But uh, I don't, nobody ever tried to steal anything from me. I mean, you you were not offered Fred Flintstone before Alan Reed got it. Uh, no, but the reason they wanted me to do this, uh, this guy that did um, Art Carney, you know? Mm. I said, no, I won't copy Art, but I'll do the, the same characteristics and the same thing he does, but in a different voice. They said, well, well how would you say it? Well, I said I talk like uh, Bonnie Rubble actually talks and lives next door to Fred Flintstone. <laughs> laugh at the end and they went for that so uh, that's just an idea of one of the uh, my little characters that I uh, create a voice for and uh, this this has happened with almost everything I do I don't like to copy to me copying is like stealing and there's a million thieves in this world <laughs> and, uh, so I uh, I tell them I said it's, it's, it'll be a creative voice but it'll be different than the actual either Art Carney whoever does the voice you must have to keep a uh, uh a thousand characters in your mind as to what each of their characteristics are, how they would react to a given situation. That, you know, that's, that's very funny. But uh, after this accident, I was laying in bed in a full-body cast, and I thought I'd figure out how many different voices I could do. And uh, I, I couldn't move anything but my arms just to write with. And I wrote down every voice I could do, every different dialect and di different voices, and I passed the 400 mark, 400 different voices. And somebody interviewed me, and they, we talked about that, passing the 400 mark. Then I got a letter from uh, from uh, back east. And uh, I think it was, uh, where, where's the big fishing area down there in uh, Michigan or someplace? Mm. And he said, uh, Mel, you're wrong. He says, I'm writing a story now on the characters that uh, Warner Brothers did or does. And he says, do you know that you did over 500 different voices and characters for Warner Brother Pictures before you even got the 400? Gee, and that probably... When you say a man of a thousand voices, you're not kidding. <laughs> and that probably doesn't even include uh, Jack Benny's Maxwell. Oh, no, that's different. When, were you the class clown? Did you? When did you discover you could do voices? Well, I wasn't the class clown. I was uh, uh, very sedate. I never. <laughs> I was lousy in school, but I, I never. I never was the clown. But uh, I used to see the kids at assemblies, you know, and and before they'd go in, I'd I'd stop and I'd tell them a little dialect story. I was uh, featuring all the different dialects, and uh, the kids would laugh and get a big kick out of it and applaud me, you know. And uh, then we'd go into the assembly, whatever it was. And uh, w once in a while, the kids would say, "Why don't you, do, why don't you have Mel do one of his dialect stories?" So I would do it, and the kids would laugh, and the teachers would laugh, and then give me lousy marks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that Rich Little always says that he got his start imitating his own teachers, and that he was uh, that the, he entertained the kids. I guess that seems to be the way to to uh, to get started. Incidentally, is a wonderful impersonator. He can do practically everybody in the world. And uh, they, he wrote a little article in my book. If you, I don't know whether you read it or not, but he said uh, he tried to do uh, you know the crazy little voices that I do, and he couldn't couldn't succeed with it. And uh, so he he said uh, he says I don't mind telling you. He says I do the greatest impersonations. I feel, but I think that Mel is the best voice man in the business. <laughs> I thank him, and he wrote a little article in my book, if you saw it there. Was it ever frustrating for you that you did not get more on-camera work? It was until I did a... Nobody knew who the hell I was. 
this is the truth. And uh, once in a while I would uh, do the Bugs Bunny voice and say, oh, that's Bugs Bunny, you know. But they never knew my name or who I was until I did a commercial for American Express. In that commercial, I did uh, two or three of the voices and then say, and then I said, uh, I'm really Mel Blanc. And uh, this, this is just a little impression of what I, uh, the voices that I do. Well, after that, I couldn't walk down the street and say, unless somebody came up to me and said, hey, Mel, you got your American Express card. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really the greatest uh, introduction to being known that I know. You, you are being the king of voice characterizations, as you undoubtedly are. Now, you must have you, you must have be able to pick and choose very carefully which things you'll do and which ones you won't. Well, that's right. You know how we create a voice for a, for a cartoon? They show me a picture of the, of the actual character that's going to be in the cartoon, and then uh, they, they tell me that uh, uh, he's going to do this and that in the picture on a storyboard. Hmm. They show a storyboard and uh, tell what it's uh, what is going to happen, and uh, and uh, from this I have to create a voice. I don't like to copy. There's a million guys that copy voices, but I try to make it different and create a voice instead of copying a voice. I will do the characteristics in the in the dialect, whatever it might be, but uh, this is uh, one way that I think I have been successful with is the creation of the voices. You, your vocal cords are undoubtedly insured for millions. Well, they were, you know, and then I had this, I had this automobile accident, uh, which you probably read about in the book, mm -hmm. but uh, the insurance company, I, I had been paying on it for years. I think my uh, fee was about $1,000 a year, and I've been paying on it for maybe 15, 20 years. Just if anything ever happened to me that I couldn't use my voice, they would have to give me $200 a week for, for not using my voice. And uh, that was a pretty, pretty stiff payment, and I think a thousand bucks a year was pretty uh, an awful lot of dough for it. So uh, I was in the hospital, and uh, Warner Brothers called me and said, "Hey, we got a cartoon, but we got 125 people that can't work unless they have your voice. The voice always, is always done first, and uh, not everybody knows that, but that's the way it goes." So uh, I, uh, I said, "Well, send somebody up to the hospital here, and I'll, uh, and I'll make a scratch track for them. You know what a scratch track is? It's just a." Uh, a track of the voice, which I would do later in, in the actual uh, character's uh, method of using his voice. And uh, they sent somebody up to, uh, to the hospital, and uh, I recorded the stuff, and I told them I'd, I would do the stuff later in, in the dialect that I was supposed to use, but this is just for timing, for drawing of the picture. And I, I immediately got a card from... Uh, uh, somebody interviewed me and I told him about this and I got a card from uh, uh, let's see who was it uh, the people I was insured with and uh, they said uh, you're you worked you're now being cut down to, to uh, fifty dollars a week instead of two hundred <laughs> isn't that terrible and I said well I wrote back and said I did it free of charge and didn't I didn't work actually they said sorry you worked considered work see. <laughs> so, now, early on, uh, you uh, it, there's been you made a reference in the book to the fact that Warner Brothers copyrighted uh, the, the the characters' voices. In other words, their phrases that you cannot now say for me in their in their voices that that were, that made them famous. Yeah, that is very true. You know, they wanted to uh, say that it, they not only copyrighted it but they trademarked it. Mm. And uh, I knew that they were doing that, but I couldn't say anything about it because I wanted to keep working for them. You know. 
I know that if they copyrighted and trademarked the thing that uh, they would have to call on me to do it. So I didn't say anything about it, but uh, everybody says that's the biggest mistake I ever made by giving Warner Brothers the right for the, for the copyright and the trademark. See, the copyright for, was for the, the way the character uh, looks. And the trademark was for, uh, no, the trademark was for what he looks like. And the, and the, uh, the other was for uh, what he sounds like. Any, any uh, saying that made him famous, like what's up doc or uh, that's all folks and so on. But uh, as I say, I didn't want to uh, cause any trouble. So I just let them go ahead and do it thinking that it would uh, help me in my work in their studios. It must be frustrating because I'm sure that for, for kids especially, those are the phrases that they want to hear. Oh, sure. <laughs> they love them. But, uh, you know, when I create a voice, I always try to make it uh, for all ages. And, like, uh, Tweety was a little baby bird. I had to give him a baby voice. Oh, I thought I thought a pretty cat. And Sylvester was a big sloppy cat. I had to give him a sloppy voice. Incidentally, that's the easiest one to do. I do my street voice with a spray on it. <laughs> now, the hardest one to do is uh, is Yosemite Sam. That's well. It's it's not only the hardest, but it's it's the toughest on my throat. Because mm. when I they, they showed me this character and they said he's only two feet tall. He's a cowboy. He's got a red red mustache, and he packs a couple of guns on him. And uh, we have to make him noticeable on the screen because he's so small. So they said to give us a voice that'll make him noticeable. So I thought of one thing that uh, I could give him, and I gave it to him. My name's Yosemite Sam, Rufus Tuffer's cowboy, and every shot a gumdrop. That's great. <laughs> now, I've never been turned down on a job that I've created a voice for. Uh, fortunately, it, uh, they all seem to fit in. Uh, I guess I'm far-sighted enough to know what they're going to do and look or look like. Gee. Now, your son can also do many of the voices, is it? You know, a lot of people tried to copy me and couldn't come close to it, but uh, I, I guess it must be in our blood genes or whatever you call it. But he can do every voice that I do. He, he was like me. He doesn't like to copy people. And he told me that. I said, no, we have a contract with Warner saying that I will create all of their voices. And if I can't create and it can't create enough of them, that I'll have to have somebody who can do it. So uh, I talked to Noel about it, and he said, well, he says, okay, let's try it. So we did it, and we do exactly the same. I mean, we had a little interview, and uh, he was on it, and uh, I talked to him as Bugs Bunny, and he talked right back to me as Bugs Bunny or whatever voice I used. And uh, so I, I taught him uh, to do all of the characteristics and the things that uh, the dialects that this crazy outfit of mine does, and by gosh, he does them, and he does them perfectly. <laughs> does it bother you? I mean, you, your voice, the voice characterizations that you do are your bread and butter. I mean, if, if, do you get, uh, does, it, does, it, does it bother you when people come up to you at a party or at a social setting or at the grocery store and say, hey, do voices for me? Is that, is that sort of like asking the accountant on his day off to do your taxes for you? No, it's, it's worse than that because I love to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they come up to me and say, Hey, Mel, can you do a Porky Pig? And I'll say, please, not now. I mean, I'm buying stuff. <laughs> kick out of it, you know, I try to throw in a little joke along with it. But, uh, they, uh, a lot of people have stopped me and, and say, hey, uh, do do this and do that, and I, I'm glad to accommodate them. After all, it's my living, and I, I want to keep them going, too. <laughs>
Sadly, less than a year after our interview, Mel Blanc died at the age of 81, taking with him hundreds of the voices that we all grew up with. Well, are you new to Now I've Heard Everything? There may be a lot of interviews that I've posted that you haven't heard yet, including today's interview with Mel Blanc. You can find them all on my website. There's more than 100 of them at heardeverything.com. And of course, be sure to subscribe to Now I've Heard Everything in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss any new episodes. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, the creator of the Twilight series of novels, my 2007 interview with Stephanie Meyer. I had never seen a vampire movie. I don't read vampire books, so it was really easy to do something different because I didn't know what the normal was. For me, they're a lot closer related to uh, superheroes. That's more what I was into. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. Bill Thompson.